SAFM Sports Wrap. Good evening to you and welcome to SAFM Sports Wrap. I'm John Kerrick in for Brad Brown today. Let's get straight into what's going to be a busy show. And we start with this news that's been happening all day. And the bidding process for the 2010 hosting of the FIFA World Cup in South Africa is under investigation, along with all the other FBI investigations into fraud, or uh, wire fraud, racketeering, money laundering. The Justice Department alleged that FIFA Vice President Jack Warner solicited $10 million in bribes from the South African government to host the 2010 World Cup. Here's U.S. District Attorney for the Eastern District of New York, Kelly Curry. The World Cup 2010 selection uh, bribery scheme, which is described in the indictment, uh, alleges that in connection with the selection of South Africa uh, to host the 2010 World Cup, there were bribes paid in, in, in connection with that scheme, and one of the and South Africa is one of the members of the uh, of the African Confederation. In other news, Bafana play Malawi in the Kasafa Cup Plate semi-final at the Royal Bafakeng Stadium this evening. Coach Sheikh Mashaba says it's a must-win so that he can redeem the pride of the nation. This game that is coming, it's an opportunity for all of us, not only the players. I mean, for them to do well and win this uh, game, it will mean, yes, we can do something as players and as technical committee. Yes, we managed to rectify going to the final to bonus. Tomorrow, Mashaba will name his squad to play Gambia in the 2017 Africa Cup of Nations qualifier against Gambia. Mashaba had earlier promised around four players from the Kasafa Cup squad being rewarded with call-ups. Now, Kaiser Chiefs legend and former defender Neil Tovey says he reckons that should Tefo Mashamaite, Eric Matoho and Etumalan Kune leave the club, then Amakosi's defence department will be in crisis next season. It comes after weekend media reports suggesting the Chiefs have booted Mashamaite and Kune out of Naturina for demanding hefty salary increases, while Matoa is likely to move to Belgium, following huge interest in the lanky defender. That's why they won the league last season, because of those, those two players, Mashamite and Matoa, were, were, were solid in defence, and with Gould injured, you're not quite sure how, you know, how he's going to come out of his injury, so a huge gap to be filled, and you know, you know, in centre-backs, with the capabilities that Mashamite and Matoa going to be a huge, huge gap to fill. I haven't seen much of them, uh, unfortunately, because obviously when you train with them and you coach them, then you can see more. Now, I expect them, obviously, you don't, you know, in the fold if you can't, if you haven't got the ability. So he has got a probably large ability, huge ability. Obviously, he's going to have to be thrust in the deep end. Uh, but it's a total change what I'm talking about now. If both players leave, then it's going to be a huge gap. But where one comes, and Chiefs has always had that, where, where a player leaves, uh, another one comes in and performs admirably. Cricket South Africa have named four uncapped players in the test match format in the Proteus squad for the two-match series in Bangladesh in July and August. They are Knights opening batsman Reza Hendricks, Cape Cobra's wicketkeeper Dane Villas, and Highfelt Lions duo of spinner Aaron Pangisa and fast bowler Kajisa Rabada. We'll catch up with Kajisa later on in the show. Some rugby news for you. Ryan Kankowski will start for the Sharks in the Super Rugby Clash against the Rebels on Friday. And Naka Droske has named his cheetah side to take on the Stormers at Newlands. Fly half Joe Peterson and flank Tinny Berger will start and we're st- starting in the back line. They're replacing Francois Brummer and Carl Griff. Meanwhile, Sergio Peterson is back at right wing, replacing Springbok Cornell Hendricks. And finally, the selection process for the European team of the Ryder Cup will not change. Captain Darren Clark is at the Irish Open this weekend. He says that if something ain't broke, don't try to change it. Starting to get a little bit busier. Not an awful lot just yet, but we had a few meetings last week. And um, the first counting event is going to be Russia, uh, the Russian Open at the start of September. Uh, and the qualification system is going to uh, remain as it was for the last one. 
i.e. The, the top four from the race to the bye, um, and the top five off the world rankings, and then three picks after that. So uh, the system has been so successful for us off late that it would be foolish of me to, do, to try and do anything differently. Coming up next, we find out the latest from Roland Garros with SAFM's Chris Bowers. SAFM Sports Wrap. Good evening to you, Chris. Maria Sharapova easily threw, as was Roger Federer. Upset in the women's draw. What's the latest? Yes, the big story of the day, the defeat of last year's runner-up, Simona Halep. She was beaten by Mirjana lucic and emphatically so at the end. She was always struggling to keep up in the first set and lost it 7-5 and then was hammered in the second by six games to one. So Halep out. She hasn't been in the same form this year that she was last year. She will slip a little bit down the rankings. I said that the women's champion would not come from outside the top four. That means there's now only three, which is Sharapova, Serena Williams and Petra Kvitova. There are some people tipping Carlos Suarez Navarro, who's about to go on uh, the Chatrier court now. Um, I'd, I'd, be, I'd love her to win. It'd be wonderful to see a woman with a single-handed backhand winning the women's singles. I don't see it because I think she's too able to be overpowered. But, hey, one can hope. <laughs> Roger Federer uh, is looking good. He was, uh, it wasn't as easy as, uh, as we saw uh, Rafael Nadal and, and even uh, Anderson going through yesterday. But he, he had a good practice. Yeah, I'll come back to Anderson in a second. Um, yes, Federer will beat uh, Marcel Granollers, who's a, a, you know, he's a, a very difficult customer, especially on clay, and Federer beat him in straight sets. Federer looked particularly good. It was one of those situations that had the potential to be difficult. He came out of the blocks quickly, broke right at the start, he won the first set 6-2, but then Granollers got into the second set, and had Granollers taken the tie-break, then I think Federer could have got into a real dogfight. But Federer took it and uh, was comfortable in the third set. So uh, he's comfortably through. Stan Wawrinka is through. Their potential quarter-final opponents. Federer's potential fourth-round opponent is Gael Monfils, who has just come through in the last few minutes in five sets against the Argentinian Diego Schwarzman. Not a massively long five set. It's two hours, 49 minutes. But uh, nonetheless, uh, if, if uh, Monfils is taken to five in the second round, it suggests that his form isn't quite what he'd want it to be. I mentioned about Kevin Anderson. He's actually, uh, we've got tomorrow's schedule, and he's going to have a bit of a waiting game because he's fourth match on, so he won't be playing until around this sort of time tomorrow. He's playing against Jensen Liu, who's actually partnering South Africa's top doubles player, Raven Clarsen. They're on court at the moment playing the world's top pair, Bob and Mike Bryan. They, they're set down. They lost it on a 10-8 tiebreak, and they're going with serve at 3-2 in the second. Chris, you said there's still lots of tennis to go today. There's also lots of tennis over the next couple of weeks. Is that extra day that they got on Sunday working? Uh, My own opinion is no. I actually felt that the crowds were better on Monday and Tuesday than they were Sunday. For me, it just means that the the first round, it's it's a bit like sort of if you go into a a classical music concert and they play two overtures, (laughs) or if you go into a a meal and they give you two starters. If your main purpose of going is to... uh, is, is for the for the concerto and the symphony, or maybe the main film in a cinema, or you know you want your main course uh, as a meal. Then why have it delayed unnecessarily? Build up to it by all means. Um, for me, I think a Grand Slam tennis tournament should really be about ten days rather than fourteen. So to make it from fourteen to fifteen doesn't make sense to me in this day and age where matches can go on a long time. I think 
in a couple of years' time, people will have to be making some serious adjustments to tennis, maybe shortening matches, at least having a final set in the tie breaks at uh, uh, Wimbledon, the French Open and the Australian Open. I don't see that going on. Five-set format may come under pressure, certainly you know, before the quarter-final stages. So I think there may be some adjustments because the discrepancy between the demands of television, people's attention spans, and how long a tennis match can go on is getting, in, I think, increasingly out of sync. Chris Powers, thank you very much for that. You're with SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Our big topic of the day, the uh, FIFA, uh, FIFA scandals coming up in a second. SAFM Sports Wrap. Joined in studio by the Deputy, Deputy Sports Editor for SABC News, Janet Witten, uh, in studio. Janet, just looking at the latest allegations coming from the BBC, they're reporting the, the 2010 one is the one I, I kind of want to focus on a lot because it's, it's all very well FIFA and it's kind of over there in Switzerland and it's over there in New York, but it's come quite quickly close to home, hasn't it? I was quite surprised, actually, how quickly that did happen, because when the U.S. Department of Justice held its press conference this afternoon, it was one of the first things that was mentioned by U.S. Attorney General Loretta Lynch. And we weren't expecting that, because all of the arrests that happened in Zurich this morning were to do were members of CONCACAF and were to do with Latin and Central American and North American tournaments and events and broadcast rights from that part of the world. So it was quite unexpected when 2010 suddenly got mentioned, and it was a bit of a throwaway line in the initial U.S. Department of Justice statement, but now it's starting to gain a little bit of traction, and there's a little bit of information coming through, an allegation of a $10 million bribe um, that was paid in connection with that, so I think think there are a few nervous people around now. It's obviously something that we're focusing because it's in South Africa, but this is just ridiculous, and billions of dollars that that have been thrown around. You know, there was, uh, within that um, Department of Justice statement, they actually kind of, in broad brushstrokes, painted the kind of money that FIFA is actually dealing with. And FIFA's budget is not the equivalent of a small country. It's the equivalent of quite a large country. <laughs> um, and just between um, t- between 2012 and 2013, I think it was mentioned, it was something like 5.7 billion US dollars. Sure. And that's just in broadcast and media rights. So the kind of money that we we're talking about is absolutely astronomical. Jack Warner reportedly has pocketed around $11 million mm. in bribes over the last few years. We're joined on the line by a football analyst and a New Age journalist as well, Neil Collins. Neil, thanks very much for joining us. Your take on this. Evening, guys. Well, you can imagine the kind of day it's been for anyone that doesn't <laughs> FIFA. Um, I've known Andrew Jennings, the kind of arch FIFA fighter for, for 10, 15 years, back on my days in the Daily Mail in London. Uh, as he said, as his immediate response was, uh, this is a great day for football. Mm-hmm. Um, this kind of stuff has been going on, uh, particularly uh, you know, if you're a British journalist who looked into some of the FA Cups, uh, some of the World Cups, right back to France '98. <clears throat> you're looking at situations where sponsors are favoured, uh, right the way through to where tickets are given to, to, to people in charge of tiny countries. Botswana, I remember, was implicated. Abu Bamji's brother. Uh, got loads of, of special tickets for, for the French uh, World Cup in 1998. And then moving forward, as we got towards South Africa, I thought the bid was clean um, because I think there was a general sway in, in, in the world of football to bring a World Cup to Africa. I thought the bid was clean. It, it now seems that Jack Warner, who, who was an expert at doing these things, took a, a quite a substantial sum to back the South African bid. And, and then we come into the, the pre-World Cup match fixing that has to be linked to the same people in SAFA and in South Africa. And we're looking really at three names. Uh, Pratia Sikwali, um, 
Irving Koza and Danny Jordan, who would have known about these things, whether they're actually, there is evidence against them, or if they've done anything corrupt, I'm not sure. But they certainly knew about the match fixing, about the, about the way money was going in and out of this country, the, the way that we signed off the right to restrict the flow of foreign currency to our cities. I know that in Durban they were particularly reluctant to do that, but people were taking van loads of money in and out of this country and, and making record profits. I'm very, very glad to see FIFA brought down. I'm very, very glad that finally someone has acted. As uh, Andrew Jennings said today, he went to the British authorities, he went to the German authorities, he even went to the South African authorities, and it eventually took the FBI mm. and the advice of people who were involved in FIFA to take any serious action. And, and I think the whole, the whole house of cards is about to come tumbling down two days before Sepp Blatter's fit for the election. Well, to me, that's poetry. <laughs> to me, that's good for football. Neil, we'll get into that in a second. Uh, Janet, like, like you were saying, initially this was a very American thing, um, and it's, it's, it certainly has grown quite quickly, and the FBI have made a point to say this is just the beginning. These, these seven people, these 14 people implicated, these are just the beginning. Because I guess, uh, as we heard a, a number of times in the news politically, for every bribe B, there's a bribe B, isn't there? Exactly, absolutely. And, you know, that was the question that kept on getting asked as the story was breaking this morning and before we had any names to go with the 14 indictments that we knew about. Is Sepp Blatter implicated? Who else is implicated? Um, and the FBI very early on we're very clear about the fact that yes there are 14 indictments and it mostly uh, surrounds CONCACAF but the investigation is ongoing and so far Sepp Blatter hasn't been cleared yet he hasn't been implicated in anything yet but he also hasn't been cleared and that's quite significant um, and and I, I'm not sure that I'm in total agreement with Neil, Neil says Neil categorically stated that FIFA has been brought down I'm not sure that that's happened yet has Seth Blatter been brought down? Not yet I think that if they hold the election on Friday I think enough money and enough whatever it else has already exchanged hands that Seth Blatter is still going to win that election. I think it's going to, it's going to take a lot, of, um, a lot of other people coming on board with this US um, investigation before we can actually categorically say FIFA has been brought down these elections are getting to seem like they're going to go ahead anyway. There's only two people standing. It always seems like Sepp Blatter's going to win it. He might very well just carry on. Well, you hope for the miracle of democracy to work, don't you? <laughs> when you've had a major organisation embarrassed so badly like this, days before the fifth re-election of an of a 85-year-old president, you would expect the 240 people that are voting to actually think, oh, hold on a minute, maybe we shouldn't put him back in power. Sadly, that's not going to happen because the people that are in power aren't footballers. They aren't, uh, they're, they're politicians. They're people out for money. What, what really irks me about FIFA, and when you meet these people, it becomes apparent. They, they, they represent tiny countries with barely a football team. They give no money to their football associations, and yet they live the five-star existence of, uh, and, and get gold watches given to them and, and various bits of money to vote the right way on big issues. They, they are the, the power base of set blatter. Small countries... Uh, very big uh, representatives who've been there for 20 years. Remember the guy Charles Dempsey at New Zealand that stopped us having the World Cup four years earlier? I can name you 12, 15 of them, where they live in the life of kings. They were all sitting in their hotel this morning at the, next to the lake in Zurich, uh, going down for coffee, enjoying their five-star existence, when suddenly six of them were picked up and put in handcuffs by America, you know, basically by Americans on Swiss soil. Unbelievable thing to do. But the minute you start dealing in corruption in dollars, the FBI is allowed to get involved and feels that it has the right to arrest anyone around the world. What will be fascinating, uh, what, what I would love to see, is, is arrests being made in South Africa at the behest of the FBI. 
it would be fascinating to see how South Africa would respond to that because the Swiss, I can't believe that the Swiss put up with this. And we're putting people of foreign nationals in handcuffs in Zurich in a hotel this morning. But at the same time, I'm very glad because I, I, I firmly believe that these people are guilty and that money has been flowing out of football and into people's pockets for far too long, particularly Seth Blatter and his son-in-law who runs the travel arm of FIFA. Okay, Neil, this thing Neil, has to stop. This Neil, thing has to be dealt with. Let's just get Jana wants to jump in here. I do. Um, just to mention, just following up on what Neil said uh, of the possibility of arrest in South Africa, we spoke to Tokyo Sukhwale earlier on today, and he, of course, on top of all the other titles that he holds around the world and is in various fields, is also a member of FIFA's media committee. So he was kind of towing the party line to some extent and saying... We welcome the investigation and all of the rest of it. But he also was very categorical in saying that, as far as he was concerned, 2010 was clean because we had Mandela. <laughs> and pretty much agreeing with what Neil said, and I think that was everybody else's perception, mm-hmm. so, which is why we were quite surprised um, that this happened. But, yes, I, I, I totally agree with Neil. And, and, and some of the, one of the countries that is a member of CONCACAF, CONCACAF has 41 members, believe it or not. One of them is a country called yes. Montserrat. Did you know that Montserrat was anything other than an opera singer? And they, nobody else did. Do they get the same vote as Russia or they the US? They get exactly the same vote. Uh, Hold on. Uh, Montserrat sorry. doesn't have a national football team. Montserrat is half covered by volcanic ash, and <laughs> the, the, the Beatles manager used to live there. Montserrat is a joke of a country, and it has the same size vote as Brazil or Germany. That yeah, can't be right. There's some breaking news. I've just seen this, and this is one of these difficult things where uh, I'm just a sports journalist, unfortunately, and there, there's legal implications to this. So, so watch our news bulletins here on SAFM. But uh, six of the seven FIFA officials arrested are opposing their extradition to the U.S. So this just adds even more to yes. it. According to the Swiss Justice Ministry, uh, quote, for those individuals who are contesting extradition, the Justice Ministry will now ask the U.S. to submit formal extradition requests within the 40-day period provided for in the bilateral extradition treaty. So this is not something that's going to happen in the next couple of months, Neil. No, I suppose you're right. I suppose it will be slow. Um, in, in response quickly to Janet, what, what Tokyo Sikwali said today, what Fakila uh, Mbalula said, uh, what Jacob Zuma said about the match-fixing allegations. If you remember, they welcomed the match-fixing allegations. They said there'd be an inquiry. People were suspended and then unsuspended. And then nothing happened. <clears throat> in exactly the same way as these allegations go around, uh, everyone will, will, will shut up shop. There's some very, very powerful people involved, um, as we know in this country and in, in every other country that's been involved in this price. It often goes right to the top of government. Set Blatter tries to keep politics and football separately, uh, but, but it doesn't work. <clears throat> um, and I think we're looking at a situation where, particularly in South Africa, if there were to be uh, serious allegations, then obviously Tokyo Sikwali is going to turn around and say, oh, well, we're clean. I mean, they said that about the match-fixing. I can tell you the match-fixing mm. facts. I speak to Chris Eaton all the time. We, mm. we fixed four matches before the World Cup. Our, our head of referees had to pull a Niger referee out of the tunnel in the trips before a game and put a South African referee in charge of a South African game to stop him fixing the match. All right. Neil, we have course. those clouds hanging over us. We will be found guilty if they come close. Neil, we're out of time. Thanks very much for joining us. Neil Collins writes for the New Age newspaper. Janet Witten, Deputy Sports Editor for SABC News. Thanks very much for joining us and highlighting this. A story I'm sure that we'll be following here on SAFM over the next few days. It's, it's going big. Just one uh, quick uh, add addition to that. Russia has jumped in on this. They've accused the U.S. of acting illegally in its indictment. They said it's another case of illegal exterritorial use of U.S. law. This is going to be a big, big story. SAFM Sports Wrap. 
You might have heard that there are four uncapped players in the test match format for the Castellaga Proteus squad for the two-match series in Bangladesh in July and August. In case you didn't know who they were, they're Knights opening batsman Reza Hendricks, Nashua Cape Cobra's wicketkeeper Dane Vias, and uh, Bizhab Highfelt Lions duo spinner Aaron Pangisa and fast bowler Kachisa Rabada, who joins us on the line. Kachisa, congratulations to you. Well done getting into the test side. It's the definition of cricket, isn't it? How does it feel? No, it feels great, you know. Um, and first of all, thank you for having me on your show. Um, yeah, it's test cricket. I believe is the ultimate form. It tests your tests everything. It tests your character. It tests your mental ability. It tests your your skill to the max. And yeah, I'm just glad that I was chosen to represent uh, the country and um, the team. Yeah, I feel like I'm just a representative for the team. Not many people get to, to do that, so um, I'm very honored and, and privileged. And with, with Dale Stane not maybe at his best form, and it seems like he's been struggling, it might be up to you to, to take some of the opening overs. You can never write a bowler like Dale Stane off simply for what he's done. You know, he's been the number one test bowler you know, for a very long time, and that's just fact. Um, what he's done has been remarkable and he can come back very easily for the simple reason that he's done it before. Um, so you can never write a guy like that off. Mm. But, you know, whatever happens, I'm, I'm ready. If the coach needs me to play, I'm ready. It's all up to the coach. Um, what I have to do is make sure that I'm ready and uh, I will be ready. It's always tough bowling on the subcontinent. Uh, what do you expect to happen against Bangladesh? Yeah, it looks watching on TV looks very slow. Um, so that's why we have our coaches and we have you know players like the like Dalestain, Monimoko, all the experienced players who will let you know how to bowl on on, on those types of wickets. Um, you just need to find a way to bowl on that wicket and need to assess quickly on what will be the most effective way of bowling in order to 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 get wickets. So um just simple t- just taking instructions will be the key to bowling in different conditions, especially like Bangladesh. Mm. What is, just explain to me the difference for a fast bowler. I mean, you know, obviously the difference is you're bowling more than just 10 overs. That's the, what you've done before for the ODI side. Uh, how do you prepare differently now for a test series? Oh, um, I guess I'll just do what I always do. Make sure that I'm bold enough. Um, that field, just make sure that I'm ready. Just, you know, to feel, just go into the game knowing that I've covered all my bases. Um, I don't think the preparation changes that much. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it is a game of cricket. So you'll just do what works for you, and I'll just do what's been working for me during the Sunfield Series with the Lions. You've had a little bit of a break now. Is the body ready to be able to take on, A, the heat of Bangladesh, and B, uh, all, the, all these wonders this, this whole series? Oh, I'd like to think so. Um, obviously, in the off-season, or now, yeah, in the off-season, you have to, to get stronger and um, have been in the gym. So I would like to think that my body is, you know, up to standard. Hopefully, hopefully so. Um, off-season did go very quickly. Uh, we're heading into pre-season quite soon, so there's going to be more more training and um, 
gym work. So, yeah, looking forward to it. And uh, as uh, this is obviously all building up as well, you, you're in the ODI side as well, and uh, I'm just checking to see if you're in the T20 side. No, uh, no, you're not. But uh, it's it's all building up towards the World Cup. Is that something that is is first and foremost on your mind? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I know the next World Cup is in England. I am looking that far ahead. Hopefully, um, I am fit and I am healthy, um, and I am still good enough to play. To play in that World Cup, you know, uh, it's big. You know, watching that World Cup um, when the guys were in Australia, I was just itching to, you know, get on the on the plane to Australia. Um, unfortunately, it didn't happen for the boys. Mm. Then it could have happened so easily in that game. Um, but you know, just the excitement and the buzz around the World Cup and just representing your country, um, I really want. I really want to experience that. At a, at a higher level. Okay, so about a good luck to you. We'll keep an eye on uh, on your career and see how you do. Good. Thanks for chatting to us. All right. Thank you. Thank you. SAFM Sports Wrap. Let's chat women's hockey now here on Sports Wrap on SAFM. Joined by the SA women's hockey coach Sheldon Rostron. Sheldon, thanks very much for joining us today. Uh, big matches coming up in Spain soon. Tell us about the World League semi-final tournament. Yeah, uh, the World League semi-final is uh, obviously part of our preparation leading up to uh, uh, Rio Olympics. So it's part of our qualification criteria to um, do well at this event. We have to come in the top three um, at this event as part of our qualification criteria. And then obviously later on in the year, we have to also then um, do well at the Africa Cup um, as part of our qualification criteria for the year. Sheldon, it always seems like the hockey teams take the hard way into the Olympic Games. What's what's the easy way this time around? Um, yeah, I think the easy way is going to be is that we obviously determine our own route. Uh, so you know we have to we have to do this as, as part of the the criteria that gets set for us. Um, at the end of the day, it's all about um, making sure that uh, we're playing against the top teams in the world. Um, you know, setting ourselves a good foot for for the Olympics. So. I think it's it's pretty normal that um, we've been given this criteria. Um, we obviously are talking about trying to improve ourselves and getting better um, going forward. Um, so I think I think it's you know normal that uh, we we get given a higher criteria. Um, obviously the the road is slightly bit more difficult one because we have two events now to, to qualify to. But um, I think it's something that's definitely achievable and durable. And um, we're actually quite excited uh, for World League. You've got a new captain, Marsha Cox isn't available. Tell us about Nicolene Tablanche. Yeah, Nicolene Tablanche has been part of the, the group for quite a while. Uh, she's come through the ranks um, um, over the over time um, and uh, definitely become uh, a leader on the field. And uh, we've, we've thought that we would like to reward her for efforts, um, not only on the field, but also outside of the field. It's someone that, that often guides and leads and pushes the team. Um, you know, to be successful and 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 uh, do well. So she's quite determined uh, to to take this role um, and make sure that she leads us uh, through World League. And uh, we're quite excited to have her as the new captain and uh, give us new direction and give us a new energy. So I must must be honest to myself as a coach, looking forward to her taking that and fulfilling that role for us. And uh, I know the players are also excited to have her as a leader. 
The World League semi-final includes some big names. I'm just looking at their rankings here, and I think we're ranked uh, almost fourth from bottom, if you include Ireland, Uruguay, and Spain in there as well. It's not going to be an easy task for you up against the USA and Germany and Great Britain. Yeah, we've got, I um, mean, our pool, we've got Germany and um, USA, which are teams that we've had uh, quite close runs with in the past, um, and we really want to try and be successful against these two teams as uh, we've had um, a few successes against them, but also some failures. And uh, we want to make sure that we um, really focus on achieving against those two teams in our pool. Um, and then from there, obviously, get into the quarterfinal. And our, quarter, our aim is to get into the quarterfinal uh, so that we can secure ourselves a win in that quarterfinal. That will set us up for a good result, uh, hopefully to get into a semifinal. And that's, that's our main objective at the moment. Sheldon, we've been keeping a, uh, a bit of an eye on the inter, inter-university hockey, inter-varsity hockey that's been happening. Seems like some good action there. Is that something that you've been watching as well for some new talent? Yeah, I've been at uh, all those games throughout uh, the past few weeks um, and uh, some exciting talent coming through um, in, the, in that event. So we're quite excited to, to see the talent coming through um, and obviously we're starting to make some plans um, uh, for next year to start... Um, getting another group together um, under the SA team, which will basically become the SA side, uh, that we start um, getting the exposure to and really focus on growing that team while the other team, the South African women's team, is busy focusing on performance so that we can uh, really start getting a good uh, linkage of those players coming through the system and filter easily into our system. When do all the girls get together ahead of this June the 10th tournament? Because I know some of them are based overseas as well. Yeah, all of them are back now for uh, World League, so we're currently at the camp at the moment uh, in preparation for the World League before we depart on the 6th. Uh, and then when we come back, you know, they'll still be around for the South Africa for quite a while, so we'll be busy with them uh, in that period with different high-performance uh, trainings. Um, and then from there, uh, the majority of them will go into the interprovincial tournament, um, and then some will go back again overseas after the, inter- the interprovincial tournament. Sheldon Rustin, thanks very much for joining us and good luck to you and the girls. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for your time. SAFM Sports Wrap. Thank you very much for joining us on this Wednesday evening. Just an SMS that came in when we were chatting about FIFA. Somebody says, I think a lot of SAFA's members are going to soon need a change of underwear. Thanks very much for joining us. Reminder, email sport at safm.co.za. For SAFM Sports, I'm John Carricker.